Hello, everybody. So this is Cage Side News Podcast. I am your hostess, Kyla Coop, and today is Monday, November the 14th. Now, you guys, we are going to be talking all about UFC 205 that just happened on Saturday, November 12th at Madison Square Garden in New York. What an event. Unbelievable. So first of all, let's talk about some of the stuff that happened before Saturday, some of the things that happened later on last week. So of course, there was a pre-fight, I guess, press conference that happened. I believe it was on the Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. And it was about 30, 30 minutes as it usually is. And Conor McGregor wasn't there when it started. And some a reporter started asking Eddie Alvarez some questions. And Eddie said, well, actually, I don't have an opponent. And, you know, he's being booed. And so he's like, call me, call me when Conor arrives. So he actually got off the stage and took off. But he left his belt there. And so about 13 minutes into the press conference, Conor McGregor shows up. And if you guys had to see what he was wearing, a white mink fur jacket, a red turtleneck, and these red crazy kind of pants. And he comes in and does this weird kind of little jig or something, grabs Eddie Alvarez's belt, puts it beside his other belt, beside his belt. Eddie Alvarez comes on stage, sees it, snatches the belt and then takes a chair and I think he did something with the chair and I think threw it near Conor McGregor and Conor McGregor went absolutely nuts. He had to actually be pulled off of the stage by security and then he kind of motioned that he was okay and everybody went nuts and he grabbed the microphone and said I wonder what would happen if I, if, if I threw a chair and Dana was like, that would be very bad. So, you know, it kind of looked a bit like something out of WWE. It was, it was, it was pretty nuts. And something that I found really interesting is that, you know, Eddie Alvarez is the 155 pound champion and he was being booed. The crowd wasn't liking him and he is the champ. You'd think that, you know, there'd be some respect given for the fact that he has the belt. I mean, this is his first title defense after taking the belt from Rafael de Sanchos, but still, he has the belt. And same thing with Tyrone Woodley is that everyone is booing Tyrone Woodley and he is a 185 pound champ just being booed. Felt kind of bad for these guys in a way. But of course, as usual, you know, there's always, you know, Conor McGregor, as we know, is Irish. And there's always a really huge following from the Irish fans. And so, of course, they were all excited. It was absolutely nuts. Crazy stuff. And the other thing that happened that was interesting was that, of course, after the conference, they always do the uh, square off. 
And Joanna Jojanchik, as we know, um, she has very intense teardown, uh, stare downs. And so Carolina and Joanna had their faces together. They were touching noses and, and everything. And Joanna kind of headbutted Carolina. And afterwards, Dana had said, you know, that was his fault. He's like, even after 16 years of doing this, I still make mistakes. And he's like, there's, I should not have let them get that close because I know what Ioana's like. I know how intense she gets. So he's like, that was completely my fault. Never should have happened. And then, of course, we had the weigh-ins that happened on Friday. Now, at the weigh-ins, uh, Cowboy Cerrone and Gavin Gastelum were supposed to, of course, fight at 155 pounds. I believe it was the main card they were supposed to be they were supposed to be fighting on. Kevin Gastelum missed weight by ten pounds, you guys. Ten pounds. So of course the fight ended up having to get scrapped. Unbelievable. And um so of course, you know, Cowboy was kind of upset by this. Um he's still apparently going to be getting paid though, which is really great. And, of course, he already has a fight set up for UFC 206 in Toronto. He is going to be fighting Matt Brown. So he didn't get to fight on the epic 205 card, which, of course, is really disappointing. I was looking forward to this fight. I love, love Cowboy. But at least he has a fight set up for UFC 206. So that's going to be awesome to see. The other thing as well about the weigh-ins is that, you guys, there was 15,000 people at Madison Square Garden for the weigh-ins. I believe this was a record breaker. Dana had said after uh, UFC 205 that it had breaken, broken all records. And, you know, UFC was trying to get into New York for many, many years. And it finally happened. And the epicness of this happening was reflected in the card because even the prelims, even the FS1 prelims were were amazing. So UFC 205 was such an absolutely amazing, amazing event. And you could just feel the energy in the air. Huge, massive crowds. Lots of lots of excitement. So what I'm going to do is that I'm going to just talk about the main card today. And the reason is because there's a lot of kind of behind the scenes stuff to talk about as well. And um, and I'm not one of the, for those of you that know me, of course, I do a show on Periscope, which is a live broadcasting app. And I do a lot of, of stuff about the UFC. And in fact, on Saturday night, I think I did about six broadcasts throughout the night. And for those of you that know me, you know that I'm not really good at analyzing fights. That's not really my strength. I'm still learning. I've only been watching the UFC probably since about 2010. So I have watched a lot of fights, watched ton of events. I watch all the embedded videos. I watch as much as I can. You know, I'm always on Twitter. 
checking out different uh, MMA websites. I'm constantly reading and finding out what's going on. But there's still a lot that I have to learn. So that's not really my strength. But man, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff to talk about. Tons of it. So let's start with the main card. The first fight on that card was, of course, Misha Tate versus Raquel Pennington. Now, the interesting thing about this fight is that Misha actually coached Raquel Pennington on her episode of The Ultimate Fighter. So she was a coach alongside Ronda Rousey. So kind of interesting that when you see how much Raquel Pennington has progressed, that she's A, even fighting in the UFC, but that she's actually fighting her mentor, her coach. So I thought that was really interesting. And I can imagine what that must have felt like from both sides. You know, Raquel Pennington, you know, fighting somebody that she looked up to, um, that helped her out along the way, that really mentored her. And then, of course, Misha fighting somebody that she kind of mentored and that she trained and, and that is now kind of up to her level. So I can only imagine what that must have been like from both sides of it. I can I can only imagine that. So now, of course, Misha uh, did her walkout to her usual song uh, by Katy Perry. Um, a lot of people I noticed there's there's I, th I think it's on Reddit. There's an MMA kind of a news feed that goes on. And um, it's interesting because a lot of people always kind of poo-poo that song and, and don't really don't really like that walkout song. But, you know, it suits her. It's Misha. It is what it is. And that's her song. That's how that's how we know Misha Tate. So this fight, you guys, went the full three rounds. It went the distance, of course. And Misha Tate ended up losing the fight and after the fight she announced her retirement which of course came as a shock to a lot of people because she's you know she's still pretty young she's 30 years old of course Raquel Pennington is 28 um, and she still you know probably has a lot in her but she was saying that you know, she really felt like as if she had a lot more to give but couldn't pull it out of herself. And so she just kind of felt like she doesn't have it in her anymore. And so that is why she's choosing to retire. Um, and the interesting thing is, by the way, is that after the fight, Dana had told her that she needs to go to the hospital. And Misha said... I don't work for you anymore. You're not my boss. And he said, you know, you're right. That's true. Fair enough. But you still need to go to the hospital. And he's like, I'll tell you what, go to the hospital. I'll find you a job. I can be your boss again. Just go to the hospital. So I don't know if it sounded like as if when she was um, speaking to Joe Rogan after the fight, it sounded like as if her nose may have been broken again. I haven't heard anything about her injuries. But we know that she's had issues in the past with 
having her nose broken so who knows I think it'll be interesting to see and I'd like to hear your guys's thoughts is do you think that this is the last we are going to see Misha Tate in the octagon do you think she really is going to retire do you think this was just something emotional and maybe she'll think about it for a bit and she'll decide to come back I'd like to hear your guys's thoughts on that now Dana White when he was interviewed about this you know he said first of all he really cares about Misha Tate a lot he really likes her but he thinks that her retiring is actually the right decision and that it makes sense so we know that Amanda Nunes right now has the belt and that she's going to be fighting Ronda Rousey on in December 30th in Las Vegas for the belt so by the way just a little history something that I think is interesting is that Ronda Rousey had the belt for quite a while and after she lost the belt to Holly Holm Holly Holm went and fought Misha Tate and Misha Tate won so Holly Holm lost the belt after her first title defense and I don't think anybody thought that Misha would beat Holly because Holly Holm against Ronda Rousey was unbelievable. It was an, a side of Ronda that we had never seen before, ever. And so the fact that Holly lost to Misha was very shocking. And then Misha fought Amanda Nunes. <clears throat> and of course, Amanda Nunes took the belt from her. So it's interesting. It's almost as if the belt has been cursed since it's left Rhonda. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on this. I know I'm digressing a little bit, but I just wanted to talk a bit about that because I always find, I always find that interesting that, you know, at Bantam weighed 135 pounds that ever since the belt has left Rhonda, it's like as if it's cursed. So I kind of do think that for myself personally, I love Misha Tate. I really felt like I got to know her a lot more from the Ultimate Fighter. And I really, really like her a lot as a, a person and as a fighter. So I'm sad to see her go. But, you know, if a fighter feels that they don't have anything to give anymore, it's the right time. It's time to go. So, you know, Misha, we love you. And who knows where we'll see her next. Maybe she'll fight again. Maybe she'll work for the UFC. Who knows? So, of course, you guys, now back to UFC 205. The next fight we had was Chris Weidman versus Yoel Romero. Now, this is interesting because Chris Weidman is from New York. So this was a very emotional night for him in that he was one of the fighters, I believe, that helped to get the UFC into New York. And so this was a battle that he helped fight and he's from New York. And so you could see in his walkout that there was a lot of emotion for him, that he was uh, very you know, happy to be there and, and very honored and, and very, uh, just very emotional. And he actually walked out to, I believe it was three songs and they were all songs related to New York. So you really, 
got to feel that um, emotion from him and the thankfulness that he was able to fight on that card. So I was really, really excited for for this fight. Um, unfortunately, Chris Weidman lost in devastating fashion, devastating fashion. Um, round three TKO. I mean, it was interesting because we had ordered pizza like we always do uh, for UFC events. And it's usually there right when the main card starts. But in crazy story, the actually the driver um, went missing. And so the manager had to deliver the pizzas. And so our pizza took about an hour and a half. And so it was actually just coming as the fight was ending so I'm kind of looking I'm distracted and I turn back and I see blood just squirting out of Chris Weidman's head um, it was a brutal brutal injury and you know Yoel Romero is known for his antics in between rounds um, after the first round he threw a bunch of water on himself and of course was delayed in starting the fight uh, in between starting the second round and you know people were kind of booing and stuff and he was shaking his head like you know he didn't know it was happening or like it was a mistake but everybody that watches the UFC knows these are some of the things that Yoel Romero pulls um, so after the fight you know it was interesting so by the way um, Michael Bisping was one of the people that was um, broadcasting on TV and so he stood up. So Michael Bisping currently has a belt at 185 which is what Chris Weidman and Yoel Romero were fighting at. And so he was standing up the whole time all dressed up wearing a suit looking all spiffy and he's watching and after the fight uh, Yoel Romero and Michael Bisping were exchanging words and uh, it was really interesting Michael Bisping was giving him the thumbs down and you know flipping him off and kind of booing him um, but you know it's interesting because Dana White said afterwards af after the event that actually Michael Bisping and Yoel Romero make sense so it sounds like that is a fight that's going to be happening that we're going to see Michael Bisping and Yoel Romero. So he's going to get a shot at the 185 pound belt. So we'll see what happens there. By the way, the other thing I wanted to say was that um, Chris Weidman was saying af afterwards that um, you know, hi, him and his team were aware of Yoel Romero's antics and had actually talked to, um, I believe, the commission or something to look out for the, all the stuff that Yoel Romero likes to pull, like, you know, ice on himself and water and, and his dis stall tactics. And so he was saying that he was prepared for that and that he really just tried to kind of ignore it and not kind of let it get to him and everything the other thing as well is that of course um steven wonderboy thompson and chris weidman trained together and so um he was steven wonderboy was fighting against tyron woodley for the fourth fight on the card 
And so he was watching the Chris Weidman fight, of course, because they're buddies, they train together. And, you know, after uh, the event, there was actually a touching photo of them and they were kind of hugging each other. And you could see, um, you could really see that how close they were. And uh, it was a really, it was a really cool kind of photo. And uh, of course, after um, the event, the post-fight press conference, they actually went up together. So that was interesting. So obviously after the fight, Chris Weidman had to be rushed to the hospital. Um, he was asked how many stitches he had. He said he didn't know, but it was a pretty bad, pretty bad gash to the head, of course. Um, you know, head wounds bleed more. So it's hard to really tell, but the blood was squirting out. And at the post-fight press conference, his eye was pretty much closed and he had a black eye. So he was, he was injured pretty bad. So, third fight on the main card. This was one of the fights I was looking forward to the most. You know, people always ask me who my favorite fighters are. And when we talk about female fighters in the UFC, Joanna Jojancic is certainly my favorite, one of my favorite female fighters. She is such a vicious striker. I absolutely love her. She's amazing. So there were three title fights at UFC 205. This was the first title fight of the night. Joanna Jojancic versus Karolina Kowalczyk. I'm just going to say Karolina, you guys, because her name is too hard to pronounce. It took me a while to even pronounce Joanna's last name properly. So these ladies are both from Poland. So they actually know each other. Joanna, of course, is a seven-time Muay Thai champion. Unbelievable. So this was a 115-pound fight in the strawweight division. Joanna has the belt. And so, of course, Carolina was trying to take that from her. So, you guys, this fight went five rounds. It went the distance. Joanna took it in a unanimous decision. Uh, I believe it was in the fourth round there. It looked like Carolina was about to knock Joanna out. She actually rocked her in the fourth round. Uh, and it was really interesting because Joanna, it, it was like as if after that, it was as if things went into slow motion. Joanna was able to just really slow things down and it was a, was able to give her time to recover so that she could finish the fight. And and by the way, both these ladies had hematomas on the side of their head. Um, Joanna's nose, I believe it was in the third round, um, her nose just ballooned right up and it was all red. And it looked as if her nose was broken. Luckily, it wasn't broken. She, I don't know if she went to the hospital afterwards, but she got checked out. And luckily, the, her nose was not broken, but it looked pretty bad. I mean, it was really, really swollen. And you could see that her nose was really bothering her throughout the fight. Um, her mouth was open. She was having trouble breathing through it. She kept touching, touching her nose. Um, but, you know, Carolina's tough. You have to give Carolina credit because she's tough, but she just wasn't a match for Joanna. 
Um, you know, I think now that she's fought fought Ioana, maybe she can kind of figure her out and and possibly be able to to beat her in the future. Um, both fighters were actually after the fight talking about a possible rematch in Poland. So of course, both ladies from Poland, they would love to see um, there be a event in Poland. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But, <clears throat> you know, this is something I want to work on you guys is that like I said, I'm not good at the analysis portion is that I need to really take more notes on that. Um, and really be able to do that more because um, I'm always I just I'm always in such admiration of people that can do that um, so I apologize if there's not much analysis at all if any going on here but it's not my strength um, I talk about what I love to talk about and what I know um, by the way is that of course after the fight as well and Joanna kept her belt and there's a lot of respect between the the two fighters you know um they're both polish um a lot of respect they did go the distance they they went as a five round fight i always love it when um you know joanna before the fight she's very intense you know she has a lot of trash talking um she really gets in her opponent's face tries to break them down mentally but she always has respect for her opponents after the fight and that to me is 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 really important because i think um, you know, win or lose, you know, your opponent was in there with you and you have to respect them as a fighter, right? Um, so you guys, we're now on to the second title fight of the event and the co-main event, which is Tyrone Woodley versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So of course, Tyrone Woodley currently has the belt. Um, this was his first title defense. As I was saying earlier on the podcast is that Tyrone Woodley was just being booed. People don't like him for whatever reason. Um, unbelievable. Uh, you know, I met um, Tyrone Woodley in Vancouver in 2014. I have a photo uh, with him. I should I'll put that up on my Instagram. He's the nicest guy. You know, he's so incredibly friendly, so easy to talk to. I mean, honestly, most fight most fighters that I've met have been, but you know, I got to meet him and such a nice guy. You know, I really really like him as a person, but man, you know, people people just really like to hate on him. It's un unbelievable. Um <clears throat> so this fight went the full distance as well and you know I'm still trying to figure this out but it was crazy um first of all in the fourth round I felt like the fight should have been stopped Tyrone Woodley had Stephen Wonderboy Thompson rocked absolutely rocked you know his eyes kind of rolled back in the head when he was standing up um you know I, 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 it was very close to being stopped. I'm kind of surprised that it, it wasn't. Um, and after the fight, because there was so much going back and forth between the two guys, um, that it ended up, they ended up changing the decisions. So Tyron Woodley got his belt. 
and it ended up, I think it was first called as a split decision. And then I think what they ended up saying was that it was a majority majority draw. So one judge had it 48-47 for uh, Tyron Woodley, and the other two judges had it 47-47. So it ended up being a majority draw. And so Tyron Woodley gets to uh, keep his belt, but it goes as a draw on his record for both of them. So that was kind of crazy. The other interesting thing about this is that, you know, after on on fight night Dana never ever likes to talk about rematches he never likes to talk about what's next for a fighter because you need to sit back look at what makes sense but Dana said absolutely that Tyrone Woodley will rematch against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson because it makes sense it was a uh, you know majority draw there was a lot of going back and forth between the two guys um so that makes sense so in 2017 we're going to see Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Tyrone Woodley rematch now this puts <clears throat> Damian Maya in a bit of an interest in a predicament because Damian Maya has had seven straight wins and he was expected to fight the winner of UFC 205. So this puts him in, in limbo right now. So I'm assuming what's going to happen is that, first of all, Tyrone Woodley and Stephen Thompson will rematch. And then maybe he'll get the winner of that fight. So, but as for now, Damien Maya really has nowhere to go and he's going to have to wait. So I thought that was something that was really interesting. And, you know, it just goes to show you, you know, it's such a close fight that Dana was willing to say, absolutely, these guys are definitely going to rematch. No doubt about it. It's going to happen. And you guys, we're now at the main event unbelievable Conor McGregor versus Eddie Alvarez so Eddie Alvarez of course has the belt right now at 155 pounds it is was his first title defense after taking the belt from Rafael Dos Santos crazy stuff so there's so much to talk about with this fight so much to talk about so first of all i have to say that um you know conor mcgregor when he was walking out and he got into his, the octagon he was kind of doing that thing with his arms you guys i have a nickname for conor mcgregor it's gumby so i am now going to nickname conor mcgregor gumby because he's just so limber he's moving his arms like that he was just all limber and loose. So new nickname for Conor McGregor by me is Gumby. <laughs> um, getting a little silly there. But you guys, I was so excited for this fight. I mean, so much tension. So unbelievable. 
could not wait for this fight. So one of the things I wanted to comment about this is that I could not believe that Conor, Mc Conor McGregor just was so calm and relaxed during the fight. It was like as if he knew something that no one else knew. It was as if he knew he was going to win the fight. He was very patient. He knew he was going to win. And he did it in the second round. KO. He knocked out Eddie Alvarez. I was screaming. I was so excited. I couldn't believe it. You know, he, he was tagging Eddie, Eddie Alvarez several times throughout the fight. And you got to give Eddie Alvarez credit because he is a tough dude. He has a chin on him, I tell you. Unbelievable. And both guys, by the way, are five foot nine. apparently. I thought Conor McGregor looked taller. I don't know if it was the body shape or what it is. Um, I felt like as if Conor looked about one or two inches taller at least than Eddie Alvarez but Connor had a reach advantage you know Connor's reach was 74 inches whereas Eddie Alvarez was only 69 inches so a five inch reach advantage which is huge and Connor definitely used that to his advantage um unbelievable he has so much accuracy so much power you know Connor, you know, I don't think, he, he, apparently they were saying that, you know, he hits harder than it looks like he hits, that no one, you don't really understand the power until you get in there with him and you feel it. And wow, that was, that was unbelievable. The crowd went wild when he won the fight. So you guys, Conor McGregor, first ever in the UFC to hold two belts consecutively. So of course we know he has a belt at 145 pounds, now has a belt at 155 pounds. So someone came, put the 155 belt on him. Conor, of course, was you know, saying that the UFC are cheap motherfuckers and where's his 145 pound belt, they should have it, you know, etc. Well, actually, Connor was supposed to have brought the 145 pound belt. So guess what happened, you guys? This is crazy, crazy. So somebody went and asked Tyrone Woodley backstage if they could borrow his belt to give to Conor McGregor so he would have two belts to hold. So Conor McGregor had his two belts, was standing up, you know, very straight as he does, very, you know, very kind of, you know, cocky and stuff and had the two belts, jumped up on the cage, you know, straddled in the cage with his two belts, all proud and everything, you know. It, it was such an amazing moment. His girlfriend was there, um, I think his girlfriend's sister, and by the way, his, it looked like uh, his girlfriend, Dee Devlin, was holding his white mink jacket. <laughs> and she was wearing a red outfit, had his wink, um, uh, white mink jacket with him. Um, so the thing about Tyrone Woodley, what's interesting about 
him letting Connor borrow quote unquote his belt is that, and I forgot to mention this earlier, is that at the pre-fight press conference, um, Tyrone Woodley was, or sorry, Con McGregor was saying he's going to take all the belts. And a reporter asked Tyrone Woodley about that and Tyrone said, no, he's not talking about my belt. I think he's just talking about Eddie's. And Connor said, no, I mean all the belts. And Tyrone was saying, you know, hey, like we, the, we're at a different level here. We hit a lot harder than you're used to. Something along those lines. And so, of course, Tyrone Woodley and after that and Conor McGregor had a bit of a, a weird exchange. I believe it was maybe at the weigh-ins, I think. And uh, Connor was kind of like, what's up? And or Ty- Tyron was like, what's up? And Connor's like, what's up? And it was kind of a, a tense, a tense exchange. And also he was calling Tyrone a bitch as well and making fun of him for having his, his phone camera out and uh, saying he looked like a girl. And he also got into exchange with Khabib as well, by the way. Um, he was he was just lashing out everyone before the fights. But so it's interesting that, you know, Connor was calling out Tyrone Woodley saying that, you know, he was going to take his belt, but yet Tyrone Woodley ended up letting the belt be borrowed so that Connor would have his two belts after the fight. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny. And by the way, funny stuff is that at the post fight press conference, Tyrone Woodley actually said, if Connor wants to fight, I'll do it. But tell me what you guys think. I think Connor's great and I bow down to him. You know, he's pretty much done everything he said that he was going to do. Tyrone, or sorry, Connor cannot beat Tyrone Woodley. 185 pounds is far too heavy for him. Uh, it's way too much. I don't see it happening. And I don't really think that Connor would actually try to fight a 185 pounder. I think that would be absolutely ridiculous and stupid on his part. But, you know, we are talking about Conor McGregor. So anything is possible, right? Now we know that Connor had said he has a big announcement. And I thought he was going to give the announcement in the octagon. He didn't. So at the post-fight press conference, a reporter had said, hey, what about this announcement that you had? And Connor was thinking a bit. He took some time and he said, you know, he said, well, and he very casually spit it out, I thought, which was surprising. But Connor McGregor is going to be a dad. Now, he didn't he didn't seem to be quite sure about the month his wife, his girlfriend was due. First, he said March and then he said, I think it's May. So you guys, Conor McGregor will be a dad in May of 2017. Unbelievable. There is rumors that that was that that's what the announcement was. Um, the other thing he said is that he feels like he has earned a piece of the UFC pie, that he wants a piece of ownership of the UFC. And he said he's waiting for the call and that he thinks that a UFC exec needs to give him a phone call. Um, They need to talk to him. So it sounds to me like Conor McGregor 
doesn't want to fight again until he gets that call and he's able to get a piece of ownership. So a few things is that do you guys think that he'll get that? And if so, what percentage or how much do you think that he should get? Also, where does Connor go from here? Because we know that Dana said that he needs to vacate one of the belts. Now, Connor said that that's not going to happen, that he, he's not going to give up the belts. He's going to keep both of them. Um, a lot of people have said that that would create a backlog of contenders and that it's not fair. But Connor has said that he, which he is very active. I think he's fought, what, four or five times in a year, which is a lot of fights. So I do give him credit there. But here's my thoughts. My thoughts, I don't know who we should fight next. That I don't know. But I do feel like that he should vacate the 145 pound belt. And I think 170 is too heavy for him. 145 is way too light for him. Especially now that he's fought two fights at 170. And he just took the belt at 155. I'd like to see him at 155 pounds. I think that there are a lot of really great contenders for him. And I also just think that he's looks he looks good at that weight. He seems to fight well at that weight. So I personally would like to see him at 155 pounds. So I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts. Those are just my thoughts. The other thing that I wanted to talk about was that how I was saying how, you know, UFC 205, Madison Square Garden, New York, um, this was a huge event. Uh, UFC had been trying to get into York, New York for many years. As I was saying, it was reflected in um, the fact that it broke many records. It was reflected in the amazingness of the card. Um, the car did not disappoint. But also, the celebrities that were in the crowd, you guys, unbelievable. Madonna was there with Zac Efron. They were taking selfies, by the way, during the Conor McGregor-Eddie Alvarez fight, supposedly. Um, of course, you had uh, Chef Gordon Ramsay was there. Now, he's been there a few times before. I think he genuinely is a UFC fan. Luke Rockhold was there with his girlfriend, Demi Lovato, who, by the way, there's been photos of them training together. So it looks like Luke Rockhold's training Demi Lovato. Will we see her in the UFC? Who knows? Wouldn't that be cool? So there was a lot of different celebrities in the crowd. Also, Hugh Jackman was there too. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, you can always tell when it's a good pay-per-view by the celebrities that are in the crowd. And there were a lot there in New York. I was very shocked by Madonna. Um, but you guys, that is everything. I think this has actually been my longest podcast ever. So I want to thank you guys so much for listening. So you guys can always contact me if you want to be on my podcast, if you have ideas and ideas for guests. I'm also looking for sponsorship. So if you are a sponsor and would like to sponsor me or know of any, you can email me at Kyla, K-A-I-L-A, at KylaCoop.com. You can also watch me on Periscope. 
So my name is the same on there, Kyla Koop, K-A-I-L-A-K-O-O-P. And you can also follow me on Twitter. So again, you guys, thank you so much. This has been a blast. UFC 205 was one for the records. So until next time, guys.